Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Travel and Tourism Podcast, my first season. In the two plus years of this podcast, I have never had a guest with such a unique perspective on Clemed more than my special guest today. She lived for a time in Clemed all over the world, but she was not a GM, and technically, she did not work in the villages either. Confused? Me too. From age 0 to 16, she changed countries every 6 to 12 months and started the Flying Trapeze at age 4, and her and her brother had 200 big sisters and brothers everywhere they went. She is a daughter of a very famous chief of village, whose episode just aired in April of 2023, and she was born in Zeno, Switzerland, and has UK and US citizenship. In 2010, she was hired by the Cirque du Soleil for the show La Nuba to do aerial silks. Who is this mystery person? Well, if you had the pleasure of being in a village with her and her dad, then you already know. For those that do not know, please help me welcome and get to know the amazing Kate Coltman. Hey, Kate, how are you today? Hey, I'm very well, thank you. Very, very well. I'm very excited to do this. It's my first one. <laughs> oh, sweet. All good there in uh, the Sunshine State? It is, and it is. The sun is shining beautifully today. It's very warm here right now. Good, good, good. It's not here in Montreal, but you don't need to know that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> For people that don't know, you, like I said, I, it's hard to, you know, to know where to begin with you because of your unique perspective. Why don't you tell people a little bit? Well, we said you were born in, in Zeno, Switzerland. You know, you should mention your dad for those maybe that don't know you. Who was your dad? My dad is Mike Coltman. My mum is Jeanette Coltman, and he was chief of village uh, for many years. And then my mother was chief hostess and chief of reception for many years as well. And uh, I was born in Zinau, Switzerland, um, in the little town right close to the village called Sierre. And then pretty much from there on for the next 16 years, I moved from club bed to club bed, my mum and dad, and a whole bunch of other geos. It was a lot of fun. All right. So I guess around, it's hard to say, well, tell me what it was like when you were a baby, because, you know, so I was just curious when the memories, uh, when the memories when started, started yeah. was it at uh, four when you're doing trapeze? I mean, yeah, well, actually I was just told, I met Bob Christian's, uh, the first circus village was with my dad when I was two. And that's when I first met Bob Christian's. And apparently I was brought up on the rig at two years old. I didn't fly. I just went up there. They thought it was, you know, cool and funny. And then, but I actually started flying when I was four and it was one of my earliest memories. I was watching, it was Brent Van Rensburg and Lawrence, his wife, flying. And I was like, oh, I really want to do that. That looks really cool. So um, that's when I started flying and that's when my circus career started. And from there, it went from flying trapeze to double trapeze with Brent, which I did for many years, onto Spanish web, and then onto aerial tissue. So, but then my earliest memory, definitely when I was four, flying trapeze, and then when I started school in Mauritius when I was five. Those are very deep-seated memories and happy memories for me. You yeah. went to school in Mauritius? I did, yes. Yeah. So that's when I started school. So I just turned five. I remember it very clearly. And that was one of the reasons why I spoke French before English. Uh, I was a French lycée, and uh, it was lovely. It was a wonderful place to start school. And then it kind of went from there. And then I, I could understand English at that point. And then I didn't actually start English school in England till I was about seven, but I was still speaking French at that time. So that was an interesting transition. <laughs> okay. And then I believe in 80, 84, uh, your dad goes to the club met in Bulgaria? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So I spent my, my second birthday in Bulgaria and we actually went to had a trip to Russia at that time as well. So I don't remember any of that because I was only two. And then, uh, yeah, and then that's when 
memory started kicking in after that, about four years old. Yeah. Was it was the name of that village uh, Rusalka or something like that? Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, it was. Uh, it was the only village behind the Iron Curtain at the time, and obviously it is no longer there. So that was where I had my second birthday. <laughs> I believe was that a uh, kind of like a beach village because I, I think I've seen photos of that place. It, you know what? It might have been. Okay. Um, I've I don't obviously I don't remember it too well. My parents, I think they were only there for about six months at the time. They said it was an incredible experience because it was so different from what they had done before. It, yeah, if you've if you've seen photos, it probably was a beach village, I guess. I don't yeah, it looked like a lot of, lot of rocks on the beach is what I recall seeing. Well, rocks, yeah, rough, yeah, sort yeah. of rugged terrain, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very tough, tough village. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's probably one of the reasons my dad was sent there. <laughs> he, he sent him to the place early on, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. And then, uh, from, yeah, then your earlier memory. I mean, I know you from Bel Bulgaria. You go to Martinique. Uh, you go mm. back to Zina, then Pontresina, Ixtapa, oh. and then I think you go back to school in Mauritius in eighty six, eighty seven. That's right. That, yeah, that's when I that started. Correct? I actually had. That's right. Yeah, and I just remembered you saying Pontresina. I have early memories of Pontresina too because I broke my arm there. What? So, How? Yeah, I remember that. I know. I, I fell over. <laughs> Nothing, nothing not, not a not over. a not a trapeze related uh, injury right <laughs> not, no, not, not at all it's the only broken bone i've ever had i just okay. remember that right now that's funny <laughs> but it was, it was beautiful because it was a castle and i remember my parents said kate you're gonna live in a castle i'm like i'm gonna be a princess in a castle and we the chief of village suite was in a turret and i was oh, i had the greatest time and then i broke my arm and that's why i remember that and then yeah and then we went to mauritius and then that's when i started school yeah you know the yeah the princess in those stories never breaks her arm right so you're you probably felt you got you got gypped or something. Gypped, <laughs> right? yeah, there was nothing like that in fairy tales. Yeah, but it was beautiful and Switzerland is so beautiful. We were often there in the summer, so I didn't see too much snow or anything like that. But you know, gorgeous summers, beautiful temperatures, lots of flowers in the Alps and everything like that. Fresh air, it was absolutely gorgeous, and I love the mountains to this day because of that. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was wonderful memories. Yeah. So whenever you, yeah, whenever you have a memory, because I know we'll be jumping around a lot, you just stop me and say, "Hey, Greg, I have a story about this or that or an anecdote," you know. So I don't want to, I don't want to skip anything, cool. because okay. I see at one point you go to Eleuthera in the Bahamas. Do you know around what age you are now in Eleuthera? Oh yeah, I was. Let's see, I was a baby. We did this several times. Um, okay. I was a baby. My earliest memory is I actually went to Governors Harbor Primary School. So I would have been probably maybe around eight, seven okay. or eight at the time. Yeah, eight, nine, yeah, eight, nine, maybe. And uh, that, that was a great experience. So the Bahamian people are so lovely. And uh, I was one of the only white kids in school. <laughs> and uh, they were so welcoming and just, uh, it was a lovely, lovely experience. And they used to have assembly every morning and these, they had all amazing voices and they would sing and it was wonderful. And I would go to school, so I would I'd go to school at like eight o'clock in the morning, and then I'd finish at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And then Eleuthera was a big circus village, and then I would go and fly in the afternoons, and it was it was wonderful. And we did that several times. So I, I actually don't know how many times we did Eleuthera. My parents were married there, so it was a, a favorite of theirs. But I, I, we spent so much time there, probably all in all, on and off for about five years. Let's see, uh, that was our last village when I was 16. So my parents requested to do Eleuthera as their last village. So it's a wonderful memories. I also went to high school. I went to primary school and high school in Eleuthera. It was one, everybody was so 
lovely as you know the Bahamian people are just lovely so yeah it was a great experience yeah is it uh, possible to have a favorite village like if I ask you that question is that fair or everyone is so different I'd say Eleuthera holds probably a very special place in my heart because of the history of my family and spending so much time getting to know the people the Bahamian people is just so wonderful Um, I also have very fond memories of Mexico we spent a lot of time in Mexico Sonora Bay which is no longer so sad, but that was a wonderful experience. We were homeschooled in Sonora Bay, um, and we had wonderful teachers, Andrea Schola, Teresa White, Anita, wonderful school teachers. And there we would like do like four hours of school in the morning. And in the afternoon, that's when you'd like go water skiing. There was no circus, so I did miss circus there, but I did like lots of water skiing. And that was a lot of fun and horseback riding and getting to see the desert and everything. That was also a great experience for me. Did you get to go scuba diving in Sonora Bay or did you not, not do that? No, I, I was too young. Uh, my okay. dad wanted us, uh, wanted my brother and I, because he was a scuba diving geo uh, before he was chief of village. And so he wanted us to wait till we were a little bit older for our lungs to develop and everything before we did that. So actually our first scuba diving experience, I was 16 in Eleuthera, which was amazing because we didn't have to go very uh, deep or anything because you had the marina there and they had wonderful coral and life. So I, I started scuba diving when I was 16 and my brother would have been 13 at the time. We learned together with my dad. It was another reason why Eleuthera is so special to us. Okay. And, um, but you also went to Cancun too, am I correct? Yes. I was actually Heco in Mexico. <laughs> so, Heco in, in Mexico? Mexico oh, really? Mexico. Oh, okay. That's, people. <laughs> okay. That's, a, that's good. Okay. So made, made in... Uh, Made in Mexico, Mexico. born in Switzerland. Okay. Not many people can say that. That's pretty good. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, so Cancun, I have very early memories of that too. And I actually have Kevin Batt was the chief of sports with my dad when my dad was chief of village. So I have very early memories of Kevin Batt as well. And um, I loved, and at the time, Cancun was like one of the only hotels on the strip. So there was nothing but beach. And now it's, you know, it's covered with hotels. So, and I remember that quite clearly. I would have, I don't know the age. I would have been over five for sure, probably seven, eight, nine. Things get a bit blurry. I don't, I can't really tell always the time, but that was a wonderful village as well. Cancun was awesome. A lot, a lot of fun. Well, I guess if Cancun was one of the only hotels there, we're talking mid eighties, I guess, like something like that. Yes, or... yeah, right. Okay. Something okay. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was surprised because I haven't been to Cancun in a while, but the last time I was there, I was probably 20 something. And I was just like, it's so busy. I was like, I don't remember any of this. It's like, there's so many people and so many hotels and stuff. So it must have been, yeah, 80s. Yeah. Were you just uh, visiting or on vacation? Well, first, the first time we went there was when you you went back, I mean. Yeah, when I went back, right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was an interim. And that's where I think my dad met. Kevin Bat, and then we went back there a couple other times and did seasons, I believe. Yeah, not as long in Cancun as like Sonora Bay. I, we spent okay. more time in Sonora Bay than anybody than any, anything else. We did Ixtapa one time, just once, and then Sonora Bay was the main village that we did in Mexico. I guess I was curious to see if you had gone back for one of the reunions at Cancun that they had in 2008 or 2010. You know, I haven't, and I really want to do that. Okay. <laughs> so I was well. busy, especially like 
around that time, I was, um, that's when I was coming to America and I was, you know, getting ready to go into Cirque and working for another company as well. I was, my, my life was totally focused on my career, but now I would love to do that. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> a big one coming up. Uh, yeah. Next year, big one coming up. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. That's it. We'll, that's it. we'll have uh, more information yeah. on that as uh, we get near right. to the date. Okay. <laughs> that would be so much fun. Okay. That's going to happen. You mentioned circus. So did you uh, mention at the beginning uh, a Brent and Lawrence? Yes. So they're an amazing couple. They are phenomenal. They've actually built Zipsat Circus, which is in South Africa, which is considered a national treasure now, where they have brought the kids, uh, you know, during apartheid, the kids off the street, along with, you know, the kids in the neighborhood and made a circus out of it. And it is phenomenal. Now they tour the world. It's they're a huge deal. It's amazing. So I was so happy that I had the honor to work with Brenton Lawrence when I was a kid. And they kind of showed me the ropes a little bit. And then they really, they, they gave me my career, you know, from there, I knew, okay, I wanted to be in circus. Uh, I was also ballet dancing at the time as well. Um, but that led me to my career in Cirque du Soleil. So I can never be grateful enough to both of them for what they did. And so, are they a zip, zap, a zip zap circus based in South Africa? Yeah, yeah, based in Cape Town. It's an okay. awesome, awesome um, company enterprise. They do so much globally. Um, I think they are one of the schools sponsored also by Cirque du Soleil for, you know, just the Cirque du Soleil do a lot of like outreach programs and just supporting circus schools around the world. And they're a big one that they do as well. So it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Is it uh, possible to describe, I get like, what's it like, like living in a village? Because I was always oh. jealous that I wasn't one of those kids <laughs> that because, and they knew how to do every sport, you know, like, ah, this would have been great. So I don't know. Is it possible? Like, did you ever meet kids that came back and they're, they were like, you're here again. I mean, did any of them, were yeah, they, were they able to, yeah. to grasp the grasp that you lived there? We had, uh, I remember the, uh, the racks specifically, uh, this was in Europe and their family, they had the three kids, three kids, Mimi, David, and Elisa, and they, and they're still very good friends of mine. And they would come on holiday every year and they would probably grasp it more than anybody else because they would see coming back year after year after year on holiday, what it could be like, you know, or what it is like. It's an amazing experience because you get to, first of all, travel to all these amazing countries and experience all these different cultures. And it's, you're not just visiting, you're living in the culture. And it was very important that my parents showed us the culture outside of the village as well. So we would often go outside, meet the people, you know, go to dinner with the people that lived outside Club Med and also going to school. So you're experiencing a different culture, which is fantastic, which opens you up to a world of, it's, it's just so different than if you have only ever stayed in the same place your whole life, you know, as you know, it expands your mind. It's amazing, different religions and cultures. And then actually living in the village is so much fun because it's like, um, you're always surrounded by, like I say, 200 brothers and sisters, you know, that everyone's looking out for you. Everybody's in a good mood because they're in one of the most beautiful places on earth and there's all these sports to do. And so it's, it's like, almost like a playground. It's like, oh, I'll do circus today. Or, you know, I'll do, I'll go water skiing. And those are my two big things. And it was, it's a, it's a dream really. It really is. And, um, we, the deal was, was that if we worked hard at school, then we could do any of the sports that we wanted to in the, in the afternoons, especially if we were homeschooled. So of course we wanted to do all the sports. So we had to make sure we worked very hard at school and we had great school teachers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And then at night, especially for me, because I was a performer, 
I love doing the shows and I was so fortunate that the choreographers like Linda uh, was a huge part of, you know, embracing my dancing skills and, you know, bringing me onto the stage, you know, allowing me to pursue my dreams, really. So I started performing when I was about four years, like the circus and stage at four years old. And so every night I had that to look forward to, you know, and it was just, it's a, an experience that I think very few people could ever have really in, in the way that the club med is set up. Yes. No, no. Like I said, I'm a very envious. Okay. <laughs> it must yeah. be great. Go to, must be great to go to school. And then two minutes later, you're on a water ski dock, you know? <laughs> I know, right? That's awesome. I know. <laughs> Sometimes I wish that. I was like, oh God, I wish I could water ski this afternoon. That'd be so cool. <laughs> I think about that often. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we, why don't you run down some of the uh, great circus teams that you trained with? Like, oh, if I asked yeah. you, who did you like working with in the circus teams? Working with, yeah. So early on, of course, there was Brenton Lawrence, and there was Jerry, and I don't know Jerry's last name. We used to call him Clown Bigger. He was always on stilts. He was he was fantastic. And there was, I only know Boudin's, I'm Facebook friends with him, but I don't know his real name. His name is Boudin. And then there's, of course, Ron Pascal, Zach, Andy England, Josh Munden, Josh Cohen, there are a lot of them. Ron Pasco, is that one? Yeah. Flo, Flo I don't know how to pronounce this. Flo, Flo Fujerouge, yeah. what a name, nice. Right, <laughs> he was probably my last double trapeze partner. And, um, and he started off as, we met him in Switzerland and he uh, started off as a sound engineer and then uh, started traveling with us to the American zone. And he picked up circus and he loved it and it became his job, you know? And, he, uh, and I did double trapeze with Flo and we did we did a lot of that we sort of met a lot of different like uh, geos either an american and european zone and then they could they could switch continents a lot a little bit easier than what they can now and so we would often have the same geos travel with us from europe to america and vice versa so that was brilliant because we would see the same faces all the time you know and, and grow friendships and we still have those friendships to this day so it, it's it's really quite wonderful okay now i would like to get into Cirque du Soleil and then come back to Club Med. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Okay. So how long were you touring with La Nuba or were you based in one location? So I was based in Orlando. Yeah, it's a permanent show. I was originally working for Metropolis Productions in 2009. Um, that's how I got to America as a solo aerialist. And then 2010, I got hired for La Nuba. And I worked at Lanuba till 2017 when the show closed, uh, which out of all the experiences I've, I've had, probably the closest to a Club Med experience would, would be working for Cirque du Soleil. The same sort of vitality, people from different countries and cultures, a lot of Club Med people, funnily enough, that work for Cirque now. Fantastic. And um, it was like going home almost working for Cirque. It was a fantastic experience. Yeah, I had the, when I was in uh, Ria Bintan, I had the pleasure of meeting the uh, percussionist for the show, Alegria. So then she oh, invited uh, me and my girlfriend to visit them backstage, have dinner. Like, that's what struck me was it was very Club Med in a way. Like, um, yeah. And uh, I was, yeah, that, that struck me right away. It's kind of like a, a, a touring, if you moved one Club Med village to another spot, exactly what it was like. Can you take yeah. me through the pro? Like, how do you get to become or apply to Cirque du Soleil? Can you take us through that process? 
Yeah, sure. So what it starts with is uh, they ask you to send them a video of an audition and you can go online and you can see what they request, you know, what they want to see. Uh, so, for example, you, you have a five minute tissue act, let's say. So they want to see that five minute tissue act. They want to see you do certain strength skills like climbing a rope or certain flexibility skills. They want you to introduce yourself. They want to get to know you as a person. So then you send that off and it all goes to Montreal and it gets put in a database. And then from there, they keep all of these, all of the videos that they ever get. And then um, if they see something that they particularly are interested at that moment, they will invite you to an audition. And I was fortunate, I was living in Orlando at the time when they invited me to an audition and I went into the Lanuba building to do my act. Um, and there were like, you know, there was a unicyclist, there were jugglers, there were other aerialists. It was everything circus you can imagine. So there was about 12 of us and through the auditioning process, they whittle you down pretty much to what they're looking for at the time. Just because you didn't make it through one round doesn't mean that you will never work for Cirque. It just means that they're not looking for your particular skill set right now. So uh, mine, they were, fortunately. And so I made it through till the end. And then it was it was quite uh, it was quite an audition. They were, of course, Cirque du Soleil are Canadians. They're all very, very nice. Um, but you, you got so much adrenaline going through your body. You're like, I want this so bad. So and then a few days later, I got a call. And originally they had, they wanted me to audition for some shows in Vegas. Um, I really wanted, my dream job was to be at Lanuba. And so they were also looking for me at Lanuba at the time. And even though I went to Vegas and I did an audition for that show, fortunately I was cast at Lanuba because they knew they were looking for a tissue girl and they knew she really wants this show. So, you know, I was like, I want, you know, I, I just, I want to do this act. I want to do this act. So fortunately they picked me for Lanuba. That was it pretty much. And then I stayed there for about ten, uh, seven, seven years, I'm sorry, seven years. At the time while I was at Lanuba, they had, because I was there on temporary contracts because I was often um, replacing people, they had offered me other touring shows and stuff like that. But then I, I stayed, I wanted to stay at Lanuba because I was doing my dream job, the tissue bags at Lanuba. And so I stayed there for seven years until the show closed. And then I was like, okay, different chapter of my life now. So, yeah. Now, how many, when you're at Lanuba, how many shows a week were you doing? 10 shows a week. It's 10 quite, shows. It's quite grueling, yeah. So the, I was, I trained for the act for about six weeks. Someone had gotten injured and they needed someone quite quickly. So it was an emergency situation. So normally uh, somebody would go to what's called formation, which is where they go to Canada for six months and they train. And then from there, they figure out where they want to put them. I don't think it works like that anymore. I think they really just pick you on your skill set and then send you to the show immediately. So I was one of those. So I I, uh, I trained hard for six weeks to learn all the drops that they wanted me to do and the skill sets. And then, then I was put into show. So it's 10 shows a week. It is a hefty schedule. I mean, you're doing very big tricks on a very high level, 10 times a week. And uh, there's a lot of adrenaline, you know, and so it takes quite a bit of time of getting used to it, but it is so much fun. And I mean, you're living your, you know, your best life, your dream. So it's pretty awesome. Well, speaking of adrenaline, do you recall the first show you did? Did you have butterflies? Were you good? Well, everything, everything. I wanted to be sick. I, wanted, I was going to cry. <laughs> I was so nervous. I was like, oh my goodness, it's finally here. Oh my goodness. I was like, is this a dream? I don't know. <laughs> it was, it was, there was so many emotions and I got through it and I think it was a blur. Cause I was like, don't mess up, don't mess up. You got this, you got this, you got this, you know? Cause it was, I remember I got hired in the August and I was doing show in the October. So there wasn't really, 
I think, yeah, well, no, I got hired in September. Yeah, I got hired in September. I started training in September and then by the end of October, I was in show. I was like still in shock that I just still got a job at Cirque. <laughs> I was like, here I am full on tissue costume, you know, getting on stage with all these people that I'm surrounded by who are all like the best in the world. They're all world champions and Olympians and have been in all these amazing circuses around the world. And there's me, Club Med Kid. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh boy, okay, you got this. <laughs> You know, it can be a bit intimidating, even though everybody is, all the artists are wonderful, lovely people, but it's, you know, it's a lot. It's like, you know, like one girl on my team is an, was an Olympian and there was a ton of other, yeah, no, there was a couple of Olympians. Um, and, sorry, excuse uh, me, Kate, uh, Olympian yeah. in what sport? Gymnastics. Oh, really? From what country? Yeah, so Ukraine was one of them, Mexico, yeah. Ukraine and Mexico and then the and then the rest of the that was just my tissue team and then I had like these circus artists from Brazil who had been like some of the biggest circuses of the world as well with me the others in the actual show there were a lot of like Russian Olympians Russian world champions all American Olympians American world champions Canadians English people like national level so they were all you know amazing there's me <laughs> okay. okay let's go <laughs> let's do this <laughs> now so, well this might be a dumb question but did you start or do any aerial silks in, uh, in club ed like before you had uh, finished your time I, I, at actually, club? I actually didn't i really wanted to but they weren't offering it at the time it wasn't popular at the time really so i was actually spanish web that was my thing but when we left club med and i was 16 i was uh i also studied ballet for a long time and i i wanted to to delve into ballet and see how far I could get. So I actually went to school for ballet for a while. And then I, I danced with a couple of companies, one in France and one in Canada. And then I missed circus very much. And I saw aerial tissue as a way of getting back into circus and putting the two skill sets together, you know, dancing and aerial acrobatics. So I actually didn't start tissue until I was probably about 22. And then, um, but of course I had all my other Spanish web trapeze training and my ballet training. And then I really just concentrated on that on tissue for, let's see, I got into Cirque, I was, I think I just turned 28. Yeah, just turned 28. So I concentrated on that for six years. And then I suppose it was good enough to get me into Cirque du Soleil. So that was brilliant, it was fantastic. Well, like most people, yeah, I assume that you you did do it at um, Club Med, but I guess a lot of people, you know, who listening probably would assume the same thing, right? Like. Oh, she probably mm -hmm. got great, yeah. great practice, but that's, uh, so no, you didn't, they, well, we didn't offer. And like you said, the closest thing yeah. to it was uh, Spanish web, right? I guess. It was, it was, it was newish. Um, okay. like they, I didn't, even though aerial tissue has been around for a very long time. It was just not one of the thing. Now they have a tons of it. You know, they have tons of it everywhere. You have, so, you see so many aerial schools, aerial yoga, you know, all with tissue. Um, but at the time there wasn't that much of it. And okay. I saw it at, at, at Lanuba when I was 18 with um, Linda, Linda Senkovitz, I was like, I want to do that. But I was 18 and I was about to go into dancing school. So I was like, well, I don't think they're going to let me do that, but I'll keep that in the back of my mind. Okay. Are you, you saying know? that you were in the, uh, you were an audience member of Lanuba what? and then yeah. fast forward all these years later, like that must have blew yeah. your mind, right? Absolutely. Another reason why I was nervous. And I remember seeing uh, Lanuba, I was 18. And I was like, this is amazing. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen, you know, and the aerial tissue act was just phenomenal. Yeah, it was, it was just incredible. And so to find myself there in that costume, 
getting ready to walk on that stage is just like, this is unbelievable. This is amazing, you know? So dreams do come true, people. <laughs> keep at it, keep at it, right? So uh, I'm one of them. So um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And, and the great thing is, is that like, for example, when I initially got hired by Cirque, I was sent to Montreal, which is a beautiful city for five days to sign my contracts, you know, to get fitted for my costume and stuff. And and I remember getting there and I, what I didn't know was Claude uh, Gagnon was there working uh, as a technician, making these amazing sets. He was there, he met me at headquarters and I had no idea he was there. Okay, was now, excuse me, Kate. That. So Claude Gagnon, had you... Had you been in a village with him? Was he a circus geo? Yes, yes, yes. He was a circus geo. I don't remember what age. I was either 14 or 16 when I knew Claude. He would know better than me. And so I worked with him on trapeze for for a season. And then I hadn't seen him, you know, over 10 years. And there he was at Cirque headquarters. And I was like, this is awesome. And he was lovely. And he brought me around and showed me everything. And it's a massive, beautiful building. Like, you know... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for acrobats. That's what I could think of. <laughs> like, just <laughs> awesome. So it was so lovely. And then to meet other uh, Club Med people that I had known from my childhood working for Cirque now, which is just is amazing, you know, and still are, which is like, just uh, like, like who, like which geos, ex geos, or, or um, where? So there, there is uh, Randy Hobbs. Randy Hobbs is still working at Cirque, I believe. And then Simon. Simon's still working for Cirque, I believe. I don't remember Simon's last name. I think it was says says. <laughs> Sorry, we've talked about Simon says from Montreal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Simon says. Right, yeah. Okay. And I think he's a coach now. He was an artist for a while, and he's now he's a coach. But let me think. I can't think of anybody. That's else okay. Right well, now. why? Well, no, but what, if the name comes to you later, just let me know. I do have a question about the aerial silk number because I I was fortunate enough to see La Nuba in uh, 2003 in Orlando. And I'm curious, what, what, what's what's the name of that number where I, I I guess is it just called a drop where you kind of wrap yourself up to the ceiling and then you now is that what is that called that number? It's it's a drop, yeah, basically. Okay. So you how do you train for that? Like, what's it like? How, how many G forces or? My goodness, I know. So it's a choreography of knots is basically what it is. And the way Lanuba has it is the knots are tied very quickly. It's all done to music, so it's and that's the really the strong skill set right there is that to be able to tie your knots like a choreography and then from there according to your knot you release either a part of your body or it's usually your leg or your arm or something like that and you go into this drop this fall and you are caught by the knots that you have made so the drops at Lanuba are very big and we have special tissues called bungee tissues so they have a lot of slack in them to protect our spines and our joints. Because if you were to do them on a regular static tissue, which doesn't have any give or stretch, you would hurt yourself very badly. That's so what I, what, see, I didn't know that. That's what I, that's what I thought. Okay. I didn't know they were, uh, had bungee properties in them. Okay. That's good. Yeah. That's super bungee. Like if you brand new, if you were to tie them up, you were to hold them and pull down, they would spring back up. So there's, there's a lot of give and we would change them every six to four months because of the wear and tear that they would get from us constantly dropping on them. Uh, the feeling is unbelievable. It's, an, it's a huge adrenaline rush, especially those drops, they're massive. And um, it uh, gives you a high, also you're a bit scared. <laughs> so, you ever get not, you ever get uh, nauseous? Because I think I would get nauseous if I did yeah. that right at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, okay. yeah, sometimes you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was a bit, you get used to it after a while, you know, but at first definitely you're like, mm, okay. And then if you're having a bit of an off day or something like that, it's like, uh, yeah, I, f I feel that a bit. 
And then um, because the act is done, I believe, between 65 and 75 feet. Um, so it's, it is very high. And then towards the end of the act, I don't know if you remember it, uh, but we get taken up to, I think, I want to say between 75 and 80 feet. I could be wrong. I'm sorry to all the riggers out there, <laughs> but we get taken up very high. And then you're like, oh, yeah, this is high. This is very high. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of facing your fears and a lot of, okay, keep calm and carry on kind of goes through your head a little bit, you know. Um, but we've done it so many times and then we do so much in training that, you know, you really, it's precision and concentration that, you know, gets you through the piece and stuff like that. But it, it is an amazing adrenaline rush, yes. <laughs> when you're training for that, before they, before you do the full drop, do they take you up halfway and then three quarters way? Or do you just do the yeah. 65 feet cool. for one shot? And they're like, yeah, just go for it now. No. <laughs> so there's, there's all steps. It's all very logical, very broken down progressions and all this kind of stuff so that you get used to it. By the time you get hired anyway, you've done a lot of like big drops, just not these particular drops. So there are progressions. Okay, this is what's going to, you, you do half of it and then you do a little bit more of it. And then some of them you have to just go for it. But the thing is, is that because they are so big, you have to be taken up to full height to do it. But they, the training is, is fantastic because they really try to um, get you ready for that. Um, but like I said, by the time I got there, I'd been doing tissue for a number of years. I was used to being very high. It was a, just a different set of drops to do when I had to learn them. And, you know, when, when you do get a bit stuck, what do you do when you get stuck? All that kind of thing, because that happens too. Yeah, they have everything is, is set up very well. They train you. So by the time you get on stage, you know, you're good. Okay. Last, last question about Lanuba. I promise it's just because I love this show so much and, you know, I can't believe I'm talking to someone who was in it. So, okay. Last question. Now, other than your number, the aerial silks, was there a number that you liked? Was it the trampoline artist number? Like which number of Lanuba did you like? There were so many of them. My goodness. Um, of course I love flying trapeze. I love to watch it. It's so graceful and beautiful. They did massive tricks. Uh, the trampoline is just so exciting. It's really hard to say actually. Okay, no, no, you could have more than one. One, I was just curious, yeah. like as as an artist, what stand, as an artist, what stands out to me is is flying trapeze and um, the power track, uh, trampoline act, which is just both of them are very exciting. Uh, they got a lot of people, a lot of moving parts, and that is what is so difficult. Is because normally, you know, like for us, there's where there's four girls in the act at one time, um, and then a center flyer, which is the big, strong, you know, handsome guy that flies in the middle. And so we have our own tissues and we are responsible for ourselves and keeping an eye on the rest of the teammates. The flying trapeze, I don't even know how many of them there are. There's a lot of them. The same with paratrack and trampoline. So they have a lot of responsibility to their fellow teammates because if one of them does something wrong, it will affect the other person. So that it is really, um, it is very impressive to see them train. It's all about precision. Uh, the more people in an act, the more complicated the act. And those two acts are pretty complicated. And just, and they make it look, flawless you know you're like there was a mistake was there? i don't know so it's quite amazing you know so. during a rehearsal day did they ever let you try it did you ever get a chance to go on the flying trapeze or no 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 they, they oh, have okay. protocols <laughs> yeah i know right just kind of, no <laughs> hey, I was, hey, I, hey i did this in club med let me let me add it no so you never yeah. had to you know okay um, they're, they're, they're very they're very, very protective um and I, and I understand why because they can't we get hired to do our act and we can't get hurt doing something else especially something extra uh, extracurricular yeah extra good point extra, right yeah extracurricular so they, um, 
that's that's the word (laughs) (laughs) they yeah no they they want us to very much stay within our our discipline unless uh, which a couple of my teammates um did one of them was a backup to the flying trapeze act and the other girl was a backup to the power track act so they were especially allowed to train because they were so talented they could do both acts but obviously they had a main act and if they needed somebody as a backup then they would take them as well they were the only people that were allowed to do those two things but they were hired doing that so they have those two skill sets but someone like me no I did tissue and I'm very happy about that because it took all the concentration and energy I had. So I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Now let's, let's go back to Club Med for a bit. Uh, Cause at the beginning we mentioned that wherever you and your brother went, you had about 200, you know, big brothers, and big sisters. And I know obviously you're, you can't name everyone from your life, but I was just curious about who, who comes to mind when I say, you know, big brother, big sister other big sister well of course all of our school teachers they took care of us and like Teresa White Andrea Shola Anita of course Dawn you know um, was a big part of our family as well and then you know all the people on the circus team that I'd named previously they were you know big brothers to me uh, I spent a lot of time with them of course water ski geos you know Ali Chapman and um, Carlos and uh, TD Spencer Ali uh, Chapman well. I did a lot Ali Chapman, yeah, I actually stayed with him and and France in um, when I went to Montreal to uh, to do my contract signing and everything, and then uh, I did also also a lot of step aerobics. So I spent a lot of time with Michelle Day and France Boucher. And I well. think you mentioned uh, Lisa Bizou made your costumes. Yeah, she made my costumes. I love Lisa, and Lisa now works for Cirque. Yeah, she works for she does costumes now for Love. Oh um, really? In, okay. Yeah. Is that the yeah, Beatles one? Like, yeah, that's the Beatles one. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, and Lisa and, uh, you know, all these people that I had interactions with every day doing sports or doing shows. Of course, Linda Senkowitz was a huge part of that as well. Yeah. I think you mentioned Christine so, Franco too, I think. Christine Franco was my, well, a funny story. Uh, she was uh, my, my nanny and I loved her so much. And when my mom got pregnant with my brother, Christian, I wanted a little sister called Christine after her. <laughs> so, oh, okay. um, so he was, he was a boy. And so he was called Christian, but I love Christian. <laughs> my oh, wow. Brother. That's cool. So, uh, yeah. So of course I have very fond memories of Christine. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, just curious, Kate, because you spent time in so many villages. I was wondering, was there a, a favorite uh, animation passage that you that you saw uh, from a certain yeah. animator? Yeah, so I grew up with, his name was Jacques, and he was my dad's animator for many years, French, and he was hilarious. And he would do things that my dad didn't even know he was going to do. He did a lot of things that my dad didn't know he was going to do, you know, and um, he would like do things where he would, he was, he was a bit of an acrobat, actually. He did a lot of interesting things. He, in um, Switzerland, he tied a hammock to massive pine trees. And I remember it was the, it was Bastille Day, or was it, it was, it was some sort of celebration and he had tied himself to these giant trees in a hammock, having baguette and red wine and a full on feast in the trees. And when I was like, oh my goodness, what is he doing up there? He would do constant things like that. And I remember that. And then he would, if we were in a village that he wasn't at, he would show up and it's surprising us like I remember we were in Mexico and I woke up one morning and there was this 
interesting guy singing mariachi music underneath our window. And it was Jacques. He had traveled all the way from France to come and see my parents in Mexico. And it was, he would do crazy stuff like that all the time. It was, you never knew what he was going to do. He was very funny. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> now this question, I mean, I'm going to have to ask because you've probably listened to or heard or danced in 60 million crazy signs. So of all the crazy signs that you, you remember, uh, do you have a favorite? Is that possible? Oh yeah. Hands up. That what? No. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. I love okay. that. And always, every time, if I, you don't hear that song very much anymore, but when I do, it's like, oh my goodness, that's my childhood. No, so, no, it's, it's true. But do you ever find yourself in a, uh, like nowadays in a grocery store and a song from Clement comes on and do you have to physically restrain yeah. yourself from, from going side from to side? And, yes. Does that happen? 100%. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and then people look at you like, what the? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all right awesome well yeah. this has been uh so great and and kind of you kate but i don't want to let you go unless i um you know forgot to ask you something or, or there was something something you wanted to say before before we say goodbye to, to our listeners well first i want to say thank you uh to all those 200 big brothers and sisters i've had over the years that have shaped and molded me into you know the person that i am of course my parents who were incredible leaders and wonderful parents and for just opening my eyes up to a world that is amazing. And I would recommend to anybody, if you get the chance to travel, travel, see the world, experience different religions, different cultures, get out of yourself, get out of your head and realize that, you know, we're all in this together. And, um, and the more we realize that, and it's not going to cure world peace, but it's, it's just such an amazing experience. And as I go into the, as I've come into my, my own career as an aerialist and now as a small business owner uh, teaching Pilates, all the skill sets that I've learned from my 200 big brothers and sisters and my parents, like I said, as amazing organizers and leaders to bring me into the life that I had now, I will be forever grateful. And I hope one day to visit Club Med more and go to these Club Med reunions and see people I haven't seen in years and, you know, say thank you to them in person. So, yeah. Wow, that was amazing. Nice. <laughs> well, Kate, I uh, really want to thank you for, you know, sharing your unique story because you're the first guest in, you know, over two years that I quite like, you know, not a GM, not a GO, but just, you know, um, so it's such a unique perspective that you can bring. And thank you for, you know, telling us what it's like working in a Cirque du Soleil show, because I know many of our listeners have, have seen these shows, you know, for many, many years. Yeah. So big thank oh. you from me and everyone. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. I was nervous. This was my first podcast. I was like, I hope I do okay. You did great. <laughs> well, you are. We should say that you are in your your husband's uh, sound cabin now. Did you say that? You know, you don't have to answer this. Did true or false? Did your mm -hmm. husband work for Blue Man Group? He did. Yeah, uh, pre-COVID. COVID closed okay. all that down. But yeah, uh, of course. My husband is okay. a musician. We actually got married at Sandpiper, and. Um, we, uh, yeah, he is a musician and he's also a voiceover artist. So I am sat in our closet talking <laughs> into the microphone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well awesome. uh, this has been awesome, Kate. And uh, I really want to thank you again. So everyone, if you don't know her, you do now. That was the amazing Kate Coltman. And uh, here's, here's where we say uh, goodbye to our, our listeners, Kate. And thank them for listening. <laughs> goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. 
See y'all next week, everyone, with another installment of My First Season.